Welcome to Leadership in the Digital Age with the Center for Digital Transformation at the Paul Mirage School of Business at UC Irvine. Join us for thought-provoking conversations with executives on the forefront of digital transformation. When I was kind of thinking about how to prep for this session, I looked at some other research that's been done outside of UCI's Center for Digital Transformation, which obviously does incredibly great research. There was a place called the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. I've already heard of it. Actually, it was my former employer. It's wonderful. But they did a board survey last year of US-listed companies with revenues over $1 billion. And what it showed was that the companies that had what they call digitally savvy boards, that's boards that have an understanding developed through experience and education of the impact that emerging technologies can have on companies looking out over a kind of period of 10 years ahead. Those that had digitally savvy boards, 24% of those companies um, in that sample, basically outperformed on everything from return on assets, from um, kind of revenue growth, and a whole bunch of other financial metrics. So boards are really important. And we have two great board directors here to dig into this really important issue, Melissa Laura and Diana McKenzie. Um, I'm going to ask you both, if you wouldn't mind, just talking a little bit about the companies on whose boards you sit so everybody has a little bit of situational awareness. Um, Diana, do you want to start? Uh, thank you, Martin. Um, I sit on right now that MetLife, the World Bankers Global this is Vertex, which is an tech company on the street from my A little bit of feedback, or oh, there's something on your line that's not quite there. Do you want to just maybe let's go to Melissa, um, Melissa, and then we'll come back to Diana. Okay, great. Um, so I would say that um, I sit on three different uh, boards. Uh, one is Conagra Brands, which is a very large uh, food company, and I come from the food industry, so uh, I think that is a natural. Uh, the second is uh, KB Home, where I'm lead director. And they are a major public uh, home builder, which I have a background in development and real estate. So there's a natural component there. And the third is a company called MGIC, which does private mortgage insurance, which kind of ties in with home building because first time home builders often need private mortgage insurance. And so collectively, those are, that's the portfolio of boards I sit on. Got it. Thank you. Uh, Diana, let's try you again. Hopefully you've yeah. been able to crack. Yes, Mar connection. Martin, can you hear me now? Wonderful, wonderful. Fabulous. That wonderful refresh. Yeah, so um, I sit on three boards. Uh, the first of those is MetLife, which is the large global uh, insurer. The second is Vertex Pharmaceuticals, which is a um, innovative biotech company that's located just right down the street from the MIT organization you referenced, Martin. And then mm -hmm. the third is Change Healthcare, which is an organization that, in essence, provides the background for much of the claims processing that happens in healthcare in the United States. Got it. Perfect. So, um, you know, obviously through this pandemic, different companies have had different experiences. You know, we just heard from the Tope, which is now in Chapter 11. Can you just talk about the pandemic's impact on the companies whose boards you sit? And, you know, what kind of advice are you giving them to help the management steer through this period of uncertainty? 
Um, Diana, do you want to go first? I mean, how's MetLife looking? So MetLife's looking terrific. MetLife last year refreshed their strategy and a very big part of that strategy was a digital focus. The other aspect of MetLife is as a financial services company, insurance provider, the, the notion of scenario planning um, and being prepared for any downturn, if you will, in the economy is something that's core to their being. So the, the opportunity for us as a board in, in terms of guiding and working with the management team was really all about making sure we understood what those scenarios would be and then doubling down in areas that, quite frankly, had already been identified to accelerate some of the work that was that was happening in um, in the digital space already, I would say for um, for another uh, company, Change Healthcare specifically, one of the things that they had developed were a set of APIs that made it possible for telepresent or tele um, telehealth solutions to be connected to the back end revenue cycle management systems. But there hadn't been as much uptake of those API capabilities as. Um, the opportunity was presented when the pandemic hit and so many organizations were embracing telehealth. So it was a great opportunity for the board to support the management team in creating much broader awareness for the uptake of those APIs and, and ideally accelerating the opportunity for patients to receive care in a very different way and coverage for that care. Got it. Perfect. And Melissa, I would imagine, you know, food, Conagro, everyone needs food more so perhaps than comfort food during this pandemic but maybe housing not so great. Um, how, what's, what's it look like across your portfolio? So it's interesting you say that. So um, I would say seeing around corners is really important uh, for the board to help management do. And during a global pandemic that no one's experienced before, collective wisdom is very important. And at, the K at KB Home, you can imagine the last time we went through something dramatic like this was the Great Recession in 2008 mm -hmm. when home building and home purchasing pretty much came to a stop. And we didn't know coming through this what was gonna happen. And to Diana's point of scenario planning, what we did was obviously communicate much more frequently because we had the collective wisdom as a board having gone through that great recession and our CEO to begin to think through how we can make quick decisions and make decisions with agility. And so surprisingly, uh, home, home ownership and home purchasing is doing well. And it was some. It was one of the scenarios that we had put together, but albeit we were prepared for the alternative, quite frankly, and we were very pleased. And so uh, our goal was to support the management team so that they could implement a lot of the things that they had to, begun to put in place, um, online uh, sales tools, virtual studios, virtual tours of homes. And they were prepared to meet the demand uh, digitally, but uh, nicely surprised that the demand was there and were able to execute. Got it. And I, I imagine that kind of, um, you know, th there is a tendency when crisis hits for board directors perhaps to get a little bit more directive. It's like, you know, it's like we don't have time to discuss so much. We need to act. And we have this experience ourselves because we've been doing this for decades. You know, do this. I recommend you do that. How have you kind of balanced the recommendations versus the just tell me what your problems are and I'm here to listen and we'll try and help as best I can? What's that balancing act? Diana, do you want to? Yeah, sure. So I, I would say when the pandemic very first hit, 
um, and, and Melissa, I'm guessing this was your experience as well, there was a desire for the board to meet more frequently. Um, and so depending on which of the boards um, I sat on, some of them actually met weekly, some biweekly. And, and, but we very quickly came to a place where it was clear the executive team had a handle on the situation, was doing a very good job of executing, uh, focusing on the right priorities. And so our need to come together as frequently um, went away. I mean, we still focus very much on a work stream uh, topic specific to pandemic and and what you know what's happening in that space. But the the need to be on top of it the way we were in the beginning has has um, it's just not as great now as it was. And 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 I would go back again to the scenario planning. Um, because so many of these companies had had this as part of their strategic planning process, they already had a playbook, if you will, that they were going to follow, which gave everybody increased confidence uh, we were going to be able to navigate this uncertainty. Yeah, and I would agree with Diana. Uh, I went through the exact same thing on the boards that I'm on. And, and I would say that the key piece of that, and maybe Diana, why we were lucky to be in that position, uh, was a primary job of a board is to select a great CEO and to make sure that the CEO is, is very, very competent and um, role models the behaviors that you want. And I think one of those things is compassion. And as we went through the uh, pandemic and as we were working our way through that, one of the things I was most impressed with was not only were our CEOs brilliant and did they have playbooks in place to be able to manage through it, but they were very connected to their employees and their consumers yeah. and compassionate about what they were going through and making sure that they stay connected and they stayed um, uh, uh, open to different ways of doing things because people had different needs as they were going through the pandemic. Got yeah. it. Um, I'd just like to ask the audience, do send in questions. We have two fabulous board directors here. You won't get access like this very often, so make the <laughs> most of it. Um, you know, perhaps the biggest challenge that companies face today is working out, you know, how do we keep our workers safe, our employees and our customers as we bring them back, whether it's to offices or to, you know, to stores or whatever. How are you both kind of thinking about that from a board perspective? Uh, Melissa? Sure. So, you, you know, you obviously want to get updates and make sure that you're comfortable with the plan that management has in place. And, and they're working off of direction from public health experts and professionals who, who know the appropriate things to do. Um, what I find really important though, is you listen to the different um, plans that people are implementing are two things really. One is that there's leadership and that the leaders are role modeling the uh, public health recommendations and that they're very visible, whether it's separation, masking, all those kinds of things. And then I would say that the second is Again, I'm coming back to compassion. The CEOs that we worked with were surprised by um, different uh, individualized needs that they began to see in their workforce. And while they may have wanted to go in a certain direction, coming back to work for certain groups or, or, or um, thinking about they'd be going back by X date, they, they listened to their employees and they adjusted so that they could um, be able to uh, execute their plans but, um, but do it in a thoughtful way. Because not like a number of our CEOs were surprised. You know, they thought people would want to come back to the office when then people were hesitant to come back to the office or right. some wanted to come back to the office and, you know, they, want, they wanted to make sure that they felt safe. Got it. And, um, Diana. 
Yeah, no, I would I would echo exactly what Melissa said. You know, the the opportunity to leverage the the elect you know the the digital platforms that all these companies had to roll out to support work from home and and to use those for town hall meetings where the CEO was able to connect with the employee base uh, globally mm. in far more frequent manner. Um, in addition to that, with the Pulse surveys, I know a number of, of the companies, the boards that I sit on, have introduced a more frequent pulsing of their employees to gain real data, um, to, to Melissa's point, about how um, those demographics are responding to the work from home and the return to work scenarios. And, and in, in one particular case, it was those early in career employees that in many cases were in, you know, um, studio apartments and, and very wow. isolated who were saying, hey, it would be great if we could be prioritized in the return to work scenario. And there were cases where there were people who were trying to deal with their children, um, you know, doing online school who were saying, hey, I, I've got to navigate care issues. I, I can't return just yet. So how do you create a more flexible, compassionate environment right. for those? And then lastly, the, the employees that are that are dealing with increased anxiety and stress and the opportunity to offer to them, you know, behavioral health and wellness solutions that weren't previously part of the of the company's portfolio. Got it. Got a couple of great questions that have come in from the audience. Um, one is, uh, you know, we talked about digital savvy in my opening remarks. And how do you assess the digital savviness of a management team? What are the key things that you are looking for as board directors? Very quickly, maybe just perhaps three each, your top three. What would you look for, Melissa? So, I mean, I, I try and um, stay connected to what's relevant and what's recent in the technology space and the digital space. So I listen closely and I look to see what they're, if they're thinking ahead and if they're implementing tools and, and ideas that match up with what I'm, I'm seeing in other industries and in other companies. I think that's really important is are we seeing things in the companies that, that we're overseeing uh, that we know are forward-thinking, forward-leaning, and, um, and relevant. Got it. So on the same racing track as you, um, Diana. I, I, I would assess, I think all of the board members assess how engaged the CEO is in driving the digital transformation. And if the CEO is engaged, then you're much more likely to see the executive team engaged. So it's not relegated to just the chief digital officer, the chief technology or information officer. I think that's one. Two, there also is this recognition that to drive digital transformation, it's not just about technology. So are the practices of the company changing? And in two companies specific, specifically, there's a CEO level mandate in one to drive product development, lifecycle management training throughout the entire employee population. And in the other, it's ensuring that everyone understands how to operate in agile fashion, not just the technology team. So those are two really strong signs that those cultures are getting it. That's great. And as a former CIO, I'm sure you understand better than most people that digital transformation is a team sport. It's not yes. just for the IT people. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, something else which has been topical this year, for, um, sadly topical. But we've had a series of unfortunate events um, that have brought diversity, equity, inclusion, even more kind of central to considerations in companies. How are you engaged in these issues on the boards that you sit and how do they fit in with kind of the broader kind of, you know, future strategy of companies? Who wants to take that first? I'll jump in. So, 
I would say that at the board level, um, again, we keep coming back to the same thing. Is the CEO passionate about mm -hmm. it and are they making change in their organization to make sure they're making room for it and acting against the, uh, the different um, issues that are out there? And so, for example, at ConAgra Brands, Sean Connolly, the CEO there, has done a fantastic job of being out front, making sure that his team is compensated based on making progress in the diversity area that so that there's actual, you know, implications of making progress, um, that he's hosting uh, video chats with both diverse board members and employees and sharing very frank and open discussions uh, with board members, with C-suite people, with other leadership around the topic so that it creates a culture where it's okay to talk about things that are, are more difficult, um, but that you make sure that you're making space for the diversity to, to, be, to take hold and become um, just ingrained in your culture. And then, as I said, it all starts with the CEO, which seems to be the theme of our talk today. Diana, yeah, and I, I, I would echo, I, I'm not sure there's much I can add. We, we have seen one particular board establish really, um, really difficult to achieve targets in the in space of diversity and inclusion um, that would help propel them to the, to the lead of the pack, if you will, within their respective industry. And the passion, we spent probably 20 to 25 minutes more on this agenda topic in the last board meeting than was originally scheduled because there was so much passionate from board members and from the executive team on the topic. So I think it's a very real, um, a very real conversation. Got it. Uh, very briefly, we have a little bit of time left. In terms of the makeup of boards, you know, I talked about that statistic at the beginning, the digitally savvy board. What do we need to do in terms of sort of ever evolving the mix of skills on boards to make sure that companies are future fit after this pandemic? So, so I think we're seeing clearly an increasing number of board members bringing with them a technology um, background. Um, the, the, the future of work is an increasingly important topic from an ESG perspective. And so I think we're also going to see some CHROs or chief people officers making mm. their way onto boards as well, helping boards really think and companies really think about how they get ahead of the technology skills shortage that we face right now and just thinking differently about how work will get done in the future. Terrific. Mar Melissa? Yeah, and, and I would say, well, you know, we're talking about um, the pandemic being a catalytic event for a lot of things. And while we're accelerating technology, we're also accelerating talent, right? And so the mm -hmm. CEOs that are going to be coming into the roles that they're in are going to be younger. They're going to be more native for t with technology. They're going to be more uh, open to diversity and the things. So, so the CEO migration, I think, is going to happen more quickly. And also the board migration will happen more quickly. Um, I know that on some of the boards that I'm on, um, we, as we go about doing searches, are actively opening up our networks so that we can make sure that we have a very broad slate of candidates for our boards when we're considering filling a slot. Because, you know, typically boards have maybe 10 people on them, so and, and the slots don't come up all that frequently. So when one does, you have to make sure that you're really making an effort to do something that's going to add value to the future of the company. And that open open approach is really uh, an important piece. And then I would say on the CHRO front, I couldn't agree more with Diana. Um, one of the boards I'm on, MGIC, 
has the uh, former CHRO of Target Corporation, a gal named Jody Cosback. And I can't tell you how much value that she's added to the board, you know, not, not just right. in the management development discussion, <laughs> but in the strategic yeah. discussions in the boardroom. It's been fantastic. And I hope that's Terrific. the time that we Terrific. Well, everybody wants to hear what tech-savvy boards are talking about now. You heard it. Two really fantastic directors there. Thank you so much, Diana and Melissa. Thank you for listening to Leadership in the Digital Age. We hope you will follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at UCI underscore CDT or on our YouTube channel, UCI Center for Digital Transformation. Please be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts, And don't forget to give us a review. Until next time.